Is one Buccaneer standing out as the obvious choice for the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge? What are the tips you need to know to cash that $500,000 check in this year's competition? And who is the right chief to insert onto your roster in the most anticipated postseason contest? Plus the $500,000 grand prize champions of the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship, Donnie Andrews and Brady David, join us to talk about how they put together and managed such a juggernaut, along with some tips on who to target and fade in the FFPC Playoff Challenge this year. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Quiet Hollers, remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, the one, the only, the incomparable Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, I, I got to find out, um, we had week 17 this past week. How did it end up for you uh, this season, my friend, as, as far as uh, all the leagues that you competed in? Hey, there's enough victories in there to keep me uh, coming back, Balky. I've got some uh, some plus margins and uh, some surprising outcomes. Uh, the one team that uh, Jeff Jackin, uh, KFFSC Royal Family, was managing uh, had a rough run in this last week and fell from 11th, I think, uh, down to 48th overall. But that's... Uh, Good enough for a full team, and Jeff will be back taking another swing at it next year when all of us that listen to this show and, and, and wish to play will will load up in a variety of different leagues. But I'll tell you what, Balky, I want to keep that seat warm, and I want to get to it as soon as possible because that million-dollar payday, uh, you know, when you, when you get in, when you start flirting with that top ten and realize that the boys have moved to pay out to a million dollars, it's pretty exciting stuff. To be a millionaire, FFPC edition coming to you in 2022. <laughs> uh, before we before we do that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I got we we got a couple of contests I want to tell you about in a second. Um, also coming up on tonight's show, we're going to get you starting uh, to 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 uh, get you formulating those FFPC playoff challenge lineups. We're going to tell you how players like Devonte Adams. Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, and others should figure into your decisions. And the $500,000 grand prize champions of the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship, 
Donnie Andrews and Brady David are going to drop by in about 10 minutes or so to talk about how they um, drafted, managed um, their team all the way to the mountaintop. Their only entry in the Football Guys Players Championship, and it was Donnie's Great. second ever Football Guys team, uh, and he, he wins the half million, which is tremendous. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I want to shout out to the chat room right now. You can post any questions you might have uh, for us in there. If you want to do uh, the Twitter thing, you can do so. We are at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. If you want to connect with Donnie, he's at dandrew 66 And, of course, Brady is on Twitter. Brady David is at bdavid16. Uh, for, uh, of course, check out Farrell's uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship contest. I love playing in every year at kffsc.com. If you want to post on our Facebook page, do so at facebook.com slash hsffhour. And you can always give us a call at 347 426 3682. That's 347 Game Over. You can email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us or for Donnie or for Brady, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. By the way, Bryce uh, going to be um, attending his beloved Lions, taking on my beloved Packers in the Motor City this mm. week. So hopefully Bryce comes back with a big fat L from his Lions and the Packers go in with their first ever 14-3 and record. That remains to be seen. Um, what else remains to be seen is um, the 2021-2022 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge filling up. That's going to happen. Remember, you only have a little over a week before those rosters lock. $500,000 grand prize in that 12-player lineup, including four flexes. It's a $1.3 million prize pool, $200 to enter, um, and it's a set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about salary caps. You don't have to worry about drafts. Um, you just pick your players, double points in the Super Bowl for anybody who makes it there, the Pro Football Championship, excuse me, and, uh, and then you can win a half million bucks. And if you want to um, if you're interested in doing that, but you don't want to um, pony up the 200, don't worry about it. We got the Football Guys Playoff Challenge back for the third year, $100,000 grand prize in that, and that's only $35 to enter. All the details at myffpc.com. Also, check it out, uh, Scott Kobe, the rotaviz.com high stakes lowdown on his on the on the show this week, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Scott, of course, a former main event league champ. He also was the runner up. In the super bracket this year in FFPC, we talk about that. We talk about a lot of playoff challenge stuff in that episode, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, James Conner was, uh, was limited in yesterday's practice, and it sounds like Chase Edmonds is not going to be playing in week 18 for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this means that James Conner not only will be playing for the first time since week 15, um, he will also handle the, the lion's share of the touches in the, in the Arizona backfield against the Seattle uh, Seahawks. Now, it, Farrell, as we look towards this, and obviously we'll get our final piece of information in week 18, but who's the Cardinal that you're looking at uh, in the playoff challenge if you're going to submit a lineup or two? It, I mean, is it Kyler Murray, or would you roll the dice on somebody like um, James Conner or Chase Edmonds or you know Christian Kirk even be – uh, contrarian. What well, when you look at the Cardinals team, how do you think their representation uh, should be for you in the playoff challenge? No, I'm real good at picking those contrarians, Balky. I, I pick contrary. They're contrary to scoring. It's essentially the, the teams that I've picked in. <laughs> but actually, you know, I had a team a couple years ago, and and one that I did play with uh, good friend Robbie Fetcher uh, from the KFFSC. We we did pretty well. I, a wise man once told me that you want to get into that Super Bowl uh, 
with a quarterback. And so I'm going to stick with your Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and that home field advantage. Um, but I've, I've got to look at the numbers, which is not my strong suit. But your question was about the Cardinals. And, yeah, uh, James Conner would be my guy. Here's a guy that on five occasions this season, five separate games rushed for two touchdowns. There were four other games he scored a rushing touchdown. That's 14 touchdowns. You say, well, he's not the number one receiver out of the backfield. Well, you know what? He'd catch it. Two more scores that way, 33 catches. I really like this player, and I can't wait to draft him next year. Hopefully he'll be back with this team. I think he makes this team a lot stronger. And, yes, I'm glad he's coming back this week as we get ready for the playoffs. You know, you, and you kind of – you look at James Conner, too. Like, he broke down so much in Pittsburgh, Farrell, and I wonder if that's because there there wasn't that compliment, that Chase Edmonds compliment there. Yeah. He has that yeah. this year, and, and his body – I mean, yes, he did miss time, but I feel like he, with, with the amount of fantasy volume he put up this year – you could look at it from like the standpoint of maybe it's actually better that he wasn't the bell cow this year and that he split time because it made him more um, worthy of, of being started in fantasy lineups in the FFPC and KFFSC. And that's what's so interesting about the playoff challenge is that the players that the, the, the cream rises to the top and those are the players that the, the team will go to those are the players that will they'll run the offense through those players because that's how they feel that they will advance and move on to the next round. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be moving on to the playoffs, but they will be doing it without Antonio Brown. In fact, Ian Rappaport said um, uh, earlier this morning, I believe that uh, Tampa actually asked Antonio Brown to to seek some mental help before his release from the Buccaneers. Brown thought it was ridiculous, and then he just wanted it uh, wanted to be released. Now, going into the game against the Jets last week, Antonio Brown and his agent asked Tampa to guarantee roughly a million dollars in incentives that um, that Antonio Brown was was trying to get in the final stretch of the season. Tampa uh, uh, apparently denied that request. Brown, according to Bruce Arians, was not happy with the number of targets he had seen in the first half uh, before he obviously made his very infamous exit. Um, uh, from the uh, Meadowlands in that game. Now, there's the Antonio Brown story. There's the Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay Buccaneers story. All that aside, as we look to the playoff challenge, Farrell, you look at this, Leonard Fournette was dinged up. Um, Chris Godwin is out. No more Antonio Brown. Is Mike Evans the slam dunk Buccaneer to use in the playoff challenge, or or does Tom Brady still have a lot to, to say about that? Yeah, well, uh, he'll have Brady will have a lot to say about it, but he'll have to say it through Evans. What we just said about Connor goes doubly, uh, certainly doubly for Evans. His situation that this player, when the team plays difficult matchups, Evans must be the guy to Evans must be the guy to uh, respond. And you know, he had a, a tough game early against the Cowboys to start the season, um, but against other top opponents he's he's done very very well most recently against buffalo you know six out of six catches 100 yards when they played the rams in week three he was fantastic so uh, evans is is my guy in this offense especially with the diluted receiver pool and the young guys have have contributed and without godwin there they're going to continue to contribute but tom brady uh knows where to go and uh you know it'll be gronk and it'll be evans and uh, fortunately uh, for Tom Brady, he still has those two uh, tremendous targets for him. Gronk is going to be another guy to consider too. When you can, when you have the tight end premium scoring, the fact that this dude was 
you know, basically a top five tight end this year. I, I think that's very important to to understand that this, you know, four flexes, you can use several tight ends in this format too. And Gronk might not be the worst guy in the world um, as we move forward here to get those playoff challenges uh, rosters locked for you before 4.30 uh, next Saturday afternoon. Joseph Person, who is uh, covering the Carolina Panthers for the Athletic, said that uh, the Panthers are actually going to be listening to offers for Christian McCaffrey this offseason. Now, um, out of the last 33 games that Carolina's played, Christian McCaffrey's actually missed almost two dozen of them, and he's got $44 million left on his contract that runs through the 2025 season. Last two seasons, anybody who invested in him uh, with the top pick or top three pick, it, it's been unfortunate, and, it's, and he's been a bust. Now, 2019 was fantastic. Over 400 touches, 2,392 total yards, and 19 touchdowns. He has not played since week 12 uh, this year when he went on injured reserve back uh, at the end of November. I got to believe that he's going to be the bell cow again next year, Farrell. But the million-dollar question is, as, as the FFPC kicks off uh, drafting later in January, KFFSC won't be far behind, if not at the same time, where does Christian McCaffrey go? Is he still a first-round pick? Is he a mid-first-round pick, or does he fall all the way to the end of the first round or later? How do you view where you think high-stakes drafters are going to be putting this guy in drafts, mm-hmm. and then where would you take him? I think it deter. You know, you know. I think that determines uh, by how legitimate Carolina is in listening to some offers for him, and then how uh, McCaffrey would potentially rework that contract where it not make a. Uh, you know, or not make such a a cap hit for an acquiring team because this I this gets my head spinning, Balky. You know, we're we're looking at a player here that really needs a change of scenery, and we're looking at a team here that doesn't have the complementary pieces to go around him. You know, and I start thinking about goodness, what could this player do in Atlanta? You know, Atlanta. Well, their salary cap is is in a hell of a mess. You know, they're they're paying. 70% of their money to five players. One of them is Julio Jones. But they do have a new general manager, and I like him. The guy's name is Terry Fontenot, and he knows how to move money around. And he has young players playing, especially on the defense, and they're playing better at the end of the year than they were playing early. So you think about uh, a new start for McCaffrey in Atlanta, and then you can daydream about, hey, where's McCaffrey from? You know what? Uh, 49ers, uh, they've got to figure out a way to win that division. They've got to figure out a way to compete with the Rams. McCaffrey's certainly a way to do it. The top-paid running back there is uh, Mostert. You know, Mostert's making $3 million, and you put the other three guys together, they don't make $3 million. And they've got a good salary cap group there led by a guy named Jeff Diamond, and, and Diamond knows how to extend those contracts. So that's a, that would be a good thing. And then the last thing I would daydream about, uh, New England Patriots. Who's got the most money on their salary cap? They're $69 million on their salary cap because they don't ever have dead money because they don't ever pay uh, the rookies that they draft into a second contract. It's been a long, long time since they extended a draft pick into a second contract, and that gives them money to spend. And, you know, uh, they'll be glad to give Carolina a lot of draft picks for McCaffrey, so they don't want them anyway. So you take McCaffrey <laughs> out of Carolina – and you ask this question to fantasy players, and they'll quickly forget uh, soft tissue injuries and say, you know what, a change of location, new training staff, and lesser opportunities, but more production within those opportunities might be just the perfect thing for McCaffrey. And he'll shoot back up the board. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, too. I, I think that, you know, rightly or wrongly, if he is in a different situation next year, we will look at him differently than if he is coming back to Carolina um, for, uh, for the 2022 campaign. Hey, we got the $500,000 grand prize champions of the 2021 FPC. Um, Donnie Andrews and Brady David coming up in just one second. The last question I want to get to is actually from the chat room right now. The official uh, HSFFO or Ivy League professor, Hudson Kern-Reeve, has a question about Derrick Henry. He wants to know, Farrell, is Henry a stud for the playoff challenge this year? We know he's coming back in week 18. We know Tennessee is in the playoffs. We also, um, you know, to me, outside of A.J. Brown, who I personally would not trust in the playoff challenge, outside of A.J. Brown, what other competition is there when you're, when you're talking about getting King Henry and the volume that he should get, especially the way playoff football usually goes? Your opinion, is he a stud for the playoff challenge? Well, I don't know why this question is being deferred to me. If anybody knows a stud, you know, it takes one to know one. Hudson Kern Reed is a stud <laughs> of upstate New York. It's Cornell and all. But listen, uh, of course, and, and, Henry, if they're going to bring him back, uh, it has to be with a bit of caution, but I don't think that the player would be put on the field if he's not ready to play. And if he's ready to play, all of it's going to run through him, just like it did at the end of the year and previous years. And we've seen less from the quarterback position, less production from the wide receivers. Uh, they just had some opponents down the stretch that they've been able to beat it's you know it's been some miracle football. This is the least likely number one seed that I ever could have imagined. But with Henry, it becomes a team that you can imagine them doing great things, and they'll do it through him. And yeah, he's the guy you need. You know, I'd hate to sit there and uh, realize that I didn't win the event because I played another Titan and not Henry. Right. You know that would be yeah. unforgivable. Yeah, great point uh, for sure. And and uh, I, I think we'll get into some more insight into how you should be building those lineups, not only uh, with, with what you and I have to say, but also what our guests have to say about it tonight as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to welcome in uh, both of them in right now, high school friends from the Baltimore area. It was uh, Donnie's second ever FFPC or any other high stakes team this past year. The only other one they co-managed together back in 2019 came up just short of the championship round this year. Slightly different story. Their only entry got them to be the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship $500,000 grand prize winners, foiling Abib Egbatova's uh, quest for a three-peat uh, for the half-million-dollar grand prize. Please welcome onto the program the latest half-million-dollar FFPC winners, Donnie Andrews and Brady David. Uh, gentlemen, first of all, congratulations. And, and, Donnie, let me ask you this right away. Has it sunk in yet that, that you and Brady are going to be cover, carving up a half-million bucks? No, it, it hasn't sunk in at all yet. Um, it, this this week has been a complete whirlwind. Um, it's really hard. It's hard to believe. Um, it's the longest week ever and yet the shortest week ever. So I don't know about Brady, <laughs> but at least for me, it, it, it has not sunk in yet. Uh, and Brady, I, I want to get your thoughts on this shortly. Uh, before we do that, can you guys, can, can you tell our listeners um, what you're doing for a living when, when you're not crushing half a million bucks in, in the FPC. Donnie, I'll let you go first here, and then, Brady, please let us know afterwards. Yeah, so I am actually a, uh, a software engineer in the Baltimore area, um, so going on about uh, seven or eight years now. And 
I am a senior media buyer at an advertising agency located in Maryland, which is uh, a clean way of saying that we pollute your TV with ads that you <laughs> likely do not care about or want to see. <laughs> wow. I'm glad that the guys are there aren't going to hear that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to. Oh, Balky, it's live, isn't it? We can't. We can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, fellas, congratulations. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. And, you know, uh, you might as well quit now. I mean, both of you are young, you're handsome fellows, you got four first names. I mean, you guys can go out <laughs> here and do whatever you want. And and is it because you knew you were going to win, or is it because you're uh, naturally frugal, maybe had better things to do, uh, couldn't carve out enough time to play a second team, you know, and, and then you just, you just come in and walk through this thing? And, and how did you? How did this partnership form? Because, in all seriousness, I, I think this is really uh, fantastic. I have always uh, played some partners, guys that are near and dear to me as great friends, and you know it, it really bonds the friendship. And you know, well, <laughs> you think about, well, do I want to win it alone, or do I want to win it with a partner? It's even, it's even sweeter winning it with, with somebody that you can work hard to it. So, how, how did this come about? Yeah, so like you mentioned up top, um, Brady and I have been friends since high school, um, going on about 10, 12 years now since since we graduated. So uh, we've been playing in, like, little tiny small stakes home league for just as long since high school with some friends of ours. Um, so we've always bonded over fantasy football. Um, and just a, just a couple of years ago, um, I think 20, 2019 was the first year we started, I had actually never heard of the format. Um, Brady had started with some college friends of his to start playing, and we were texting back and forth, uh, just just talking about fantasy football. And he he brought up the the idea of this FFCC league, and um, if we wanted to split one, and sounded cool to me. So I, I was definitely in. I think to answer your question about whether or not we knew we were going to win, or uh, if it was more frugal, um, I think for at least for me, it was definitely on the frugal side. It was just something to try out and, and not blow a whole bunch of money. Um, but, yeah, was, so at once we, we got done our first year, um, we we found out that uh, we're, we're pretty like-minded. Um, we sort of have the same we're, – we're on the same page on pretty much every single decision we make uh, with the maybe the extra 5% that, that there's little arguments about. But um, – with that said, after the first year, it was a really easy decision to to, to run it back the following year. And uh, uh, pretty- by, by like-minded, by like-minded, Donnie essentially means that we're notorious for drafting four to five rookies every uh, league we're in. <laughs> so we we ended up doing that this year in this, and it actually ended up paying off for once with a high upside hit. But that's kind of what we're both known for. <laughs> so. So, Brady, I, I want to take a look back and, like, really analyze this team from, from birth to championship here. A huge key to the success was, was you guys having the number one, you had the 107 pick in this league. And you, you chose to skip over Derrick Henry, chose to skip over Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. There's a lot of other guys that, that people were drafting around that spot. You ended up going with not only none of those guys, but you went with a different position altogether in getting Devontae Adams the thought process that, that you and Donnie had behind that. Why did you decide to skip over running back and then take Adams there? Obviously the right decision. 
Well, a little tidbit on that is it's kind of funny is I went back and looked at our text messages because I never delete them. And we had actually, before we had found our order, we had complained that we were probably going to get like the seventh pick. So it's definitely not something that we <laughs> wanted. <laughs> but given the, the format of FFCC with full point PPR, two receivers, two flex, and a half, one and a half for tight ends, it basically, we had either Devontae or Tyreek in our mind when we, before the draft started, and there were three running backs, and McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara, we could consider just because of their um, pass-catching upside. And I think we were also maybe hoping Kelsey would fall to us, but that didn't happen. But we weren't very big on Zeke. We weren't big, or I don't know about we, I wasn't big on Henry, which was absolutely the incorrect decision. It just ended up working out because he got hurt because of his pass-catching upside. Eckler had too many injury concerns, and Aaron Jones, we were worried about A.J. Dillon. So we kind of decided that given our setup and where we were picking, that the best route would be to draft one of the premier pass catchers. And then on the turn, we were hoping for a workhorse-type running back, which we ended up getting in Najee. That's an excellent group of running guys. So pardon me, guys, because I was just – I'm, I'm looking here, you know, uh, people don't necessarily think of it this way, but uh, Baltimore is just a very, very quick flight from Louisville where we're having our KFFSC uh, uh, live uh, big game weekend on the 12th and 13th of February draft and uh, and and uh, viewing party for the game. It's going to be a great party, and uh, we, we've got uh, – We've got luminaries like uh, Gerzak, Corson, and Baltman coming in from Wisconsin, and I hit the trifecta today because I got to talk to all three of those guys. So that was that was really a great thing. But you know, so just just so the frugality that you've always that you've already admitted to here, and the fact software and advertising, I think you know, come Monday morning, you guys can walk in and just leave those careers behind. Uh, the uh, you, can, you can just shut the door on them because you're already fantasy football pros. We would like to have you look. According to Southwest Airlines, you can get here nonstop for fifty nine dollars each, uh, and you know, and and we got we got a lot of great fantasy players over here. We're going to have a draft. We got we got Kentucky girls. You guys are single. I am. Yeah, Brady's not. Yeah, well, there's okay. No. Well, you know what we got. We got girls that are just dying to meet you, and Brady can approve of them. But anyway, that's so, right. Yeah. And they're going <laughs> to love you. They're going to they're love you to over play. here. So what? 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 I'm happy to play wingman for Donnie, though. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, you guys walking around with half million dollar wallets. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure. You might have your own swagger. You may not need wingman at all. I mean, you might be your own, you know, <laughs> you, you, you might. But anyway, let's get back on point fantasy football because I was, I was, all this was going through my mind because in our leagues here in Kentucky, you must start three wide receivers. And I am so thrilled about the fact that you guys came in and according to my report here, selecting only one running back through the first seven rounds. I would love I love having options at wide receiver. Even more than that, I love having options at tight end. But I just never am ballsy enough one running back. Who was your running back? When did you go to the next running back? And were you were you scattered every week? 
to try to figure out who to play a running back since you really didn't value any of them in the draft. Um, so we went into it with taking Adams, and then we were hoping for basically one of three running backs to fall with us to us, and that was Jonathan Taylor, whose ADP was slipping for, mm. quite frankly, no reason. Najee, who's going to get 95% of the running back touches in Pittsburgh. And then we were on Antonio Gibson. So our plan was to probably get one of them, and we thought there was a very high probability we would. And once we did, we decided to go best player available for, you know, the next few rounds or as long as it took us as we had our, as I think they were calling it, hero RB. Um, We didn't end up taking another running back until the eighth round, which was, the pride of Zach Moss, who was a healthy week one scratch. But <laughs> we ended up, I would say, I mean, we ended up having Pollard and then Damian, and, you know, we ended up drafting a bunch of guys that had, there was a route for them to end up being league winners if, you know, the guy ahead of them got hurt. And none really came to fruition, really, but we ended up running pretty hot, I would say, with our RB2 and ended up like we had Mark Ingram and Jeff Wilson and guys that would go down and these other guys uh, would step up and actually fill in for us and just, you know, get us a eight to 10 points of all we would need each week. Talking with the yeah, $500,000. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. No, go ahead, Eric. No, I, I just wanted to, uh, to remind everybody we're talking with the $500,000 football guys play uh, players championship Grand prize winners, Donnie Andrews and Brady David, here uh, tonight on the show. They're talking uh, about the uh, process of going through the first seven rounds, only getting one running back. Um, Go ahead, and and I'll let you finish your thought, and and then I'll get into the next question here. Yeah, sorry about that. Just to add on to what Brady said, you kind of have to go in with the mindset of, if if you're going to do that, if you're only going to take one running back in the first seven, eight rounds, uh, you you have to live with being uncomfortable at the running back two position after your draft. Um, I, I think if, you, if you're looking at uh, your team after the draft is done and, and you're solid at every position, uh, the, the way that we had our draft strategy, you're, you're kind of doing it wrong. We were trying to basically take as many shots as we can at uh, the receiver position um, between rounds three and seven or eight, um, just so we can fill those people in into our flex spots and, um, and kind of maximize our upside in a big tournament like this. Um, yeah, Donnie, and, we know. <clears throat> Go ahead, Brady. Yeah, and to, to piggyback off that and some of the receivers we were taking, we obviously wanted high upside guys. And, you know, we ended up taking, before we took our second round, we took Jamar Chase, who the fantasy football community all thought he forgot how to catch a football. And yeah, we also uh, ended up uh, getting uh, Debo, uh, who – Everybody, everybody was all concerned about, you know, the emergence of Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, and he was kind of the forgotten man there, and everyone kind of forgot how good he was uh, the year before he got hurt. Um, Donnie, from the photo that, that we have on not only in the show website, but we saw it on Twitter today from, from the HSFF Hour and myself and, and, and the FFPC, we know you love Mark Andrews. So when you look at uh, when he was available, uh, when you when the pick came up for you at the 406, was that just you know absolute must have? We can't let this guy slip. We got to grab him here. Or or was there some discussion about maybe not taking Andrews there? <clears throat> no, honestly, I think we had we had one slam dunk pick of of the whole draft, and it was Andrews. It was um, pretty much a, a run to the podium and get him. Um, sort of pick. We were, we were actually considering him in the in the third, 
Uh, we were also considering Kyle Pitts, which actually we almost took, but uh, over. But we we decided that um, we were going to take Terry McLaurin instead. Um, but I think going into the draft, we decided that we really wanted one of the top six tight ends, um, especially in this format. You have point and a half PPR for a tight end, so it's extremely valuable to to get one of those guys, and you have such a huge positional advantage over. Um, you guys that, that, that don't have one of those and aren't putting up uh, tight end numbers like a receiver. Uh, so once we passed over Pitts, uh, we were just praying that one of the, the remaining three tight ends would slip to us. And I think Pitts went the pick after uh, Hawkinson, a couple picks after that, and we had to sweat out probably four or five picks for Andrews. But as soon as he fell to us, it was we couldn't click the button fast enough. Oh, that's a golden situation to get that tight end. We talked a little bit about him last week. Uh, personally, I just couldn't stay with it. I had him on so many teams, I thought it would be prudent to get others, and that was the wrong thought. I saw Andrew's stats <laughs> so far this year, 99 catches and nine touchdowns in one more game. It's just it's just, it's just fantastic. It's, I, I, it's I, crazy. I, I, yeah, it's, and and we're even – we're probably the biggest Ravens fans uh, – here and we, we would have never expected that, um, especially at, at the time of the draft. Uh, you're, you're looking at the Ravens; they're a run-heavy team. You still have Dobbins and Edwards who um, haven't gotten hurt yet, so they were kind of forced. Their their hand was forced a little bit by uh-huh. throwing the ball. Uh, so we we maybe lucked into it a little bit, but there's there's no doubt that he's a freaking awesome player. The. Uh... And Balky asked me a question last week, and I'm going to give it to you guys because I, I had a couple of people call my hand on it because I, I had uh, uh, Andrews going ahead of Kittle next year, uh, not uh, uh, not Kelsey and not Waller, uh, but going ahead of Kittle. Do you guys feel the same way? I'll, I'll say that, you know, being Ravens fans and the fact that he just helped bring home half a million for us, I, I honestly wouldn't even – I would say he might be the tight end one next year, to be to be honest. Wow. I think Kelsey's falling off slightly, <laughs> but but we are we are all in on Mark Andrews, and we we will be for a very long time. Uh, you, you guys were all all in on receivers, less in on running backs, and I, I want to stick with that a little bit. I was, you know, I hit that waiver wire early, and and there were some running backs that were available. Patterson was available. Uh, some guy made of ridiculous mistake and dropped Fournette. He was available. The Daryl Williams was available later. These were some of the guys that I approached in free agency, and they made a huge difference uh, for me. Um, was there anybody on this team? Because I talk to players all the time. They say, oh, you put so much time in working waivers. And to, to what result? That's That's what I'm always curious to know. Did you have a really big pickup that paid continual dividends, or did you have a pickup that paid dividends just once? And then keeping with our theme of frugality here, did you guys end the season with a bunch of money still in your fab budget? I want to know. I want to know if you even <laughs> spend those imaginary fab dollars because, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's just – I'm curious about that. So there's a lot of questions there. Answer, the, answer them in any order you wish, but – Man, I, I wonder if you guys dominated in uh, the one on the the waiver wire as well. Yeah, so actually we we ended the season with a, a dollar left, 
So in in that uh-uh. sense, we uh, we 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 weren't conservative. We tried to um, spend as much as we could. But I think the reason we we uh, we only had a dollar left is because we kind of had two big ticket items in waiver wire, and they were uh, Kadarius Tony and Adrian Peterson. <laughs> we mm. while we were trying to chase the RB two spot. So. Uh, those honestly, those ones they they didn't work out, and we probably spent close to six, seven, eight hundred dollars between the two of them, um, which is kind of now that it's January, kind of crazy to think about with hindsight. But uh, we uh, we did have a couple guys that um, that really stepped up for us. Like we were talking about earlier, we were we we're really after the draft, we're we know that we need a, a, a RB two spot. Um, and we ran really hot, just trying to get guys that um, could could fill out the end of our bench. And, and, and if, if an injury happens, uh, they're the next man up. Um, so I know we took, uh, like, Ramon Jerry Stevenson. We picked him up in week three or four. Uh, I think we picked him up for a buck. It was on Sunday morning. It wasn't even on the Wednesday waiver wire. And I think the next week, Damian Harris got hurt and went out for a week or two, and we were able to start him for a couple weeks. Same with Mark Andrews, or not, sorry, Mark Ingram. Um, we picked him up, I think, week seven. We had three or four of our running backs on our team on a bye week. Uh, we were in bye week hell, and we d- we literally just needed a guy that was going to get 12 touches a game, which while he was on the Texans, he he was still the starting running back. So we picked him up uh, a week later. for uh, I think that was enough. That might have been like 10, 15 bucks. Picked him up uh, a week later. A week later, he got traded to the Saints, and a week after that, Alvin Kamara got hurt. And all of a sudden, now we have an RB two for for three weeks, and we're starting in Mark Ingram. Uh, probably Bonky, the biggest one. That's what one, you call making your own it, luck. That's just that's making right. your own luck, baby. You didn't get yeah. lucky. You made that happen. Good well, job. <laughs> I will say. I will say that we also, after the draft, you know, you know, we know we need an RB two. And every year it seems that there's after week one, there's always somebody that just pops up. And this year it was Elijah Mitchell. And we ended up, uh-huh. we, this is probably our most, our most heated back and forth of how much you bid on him. And we ended up, ended up getting up to $730 of a bid for him. And it ended up not even being close as he went for $951 for in our league. Uh, let me, okay. So I, let, let's get into this, the, the championship round guys, fellas, you, you make the, 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 um, the final three week sprint. You're looking at your lineup as you guys were mulling this over in weeks, 15, 16, and 17, really how many difficult lineup decisions did you have? Cause oftentimes we'll, we'll bring champions on the show and they'll say, well, you know, I didn't have the deepest of, of teams. So the lineup sort of set itself. Did you guys really mull over any tough lineup decisions throughout the championship round? Um, I will, I will say that going into the playoffs, we basically the biggest decision we probably ended up making was we finally got off McLaren and started starting Waddle, but most of our lineup except for RB2 and, you know, just your typical kicker and defense was pretty much set. I mean, we had very good health and we ended up drafting well. And the biggest decision we probably made that probably that almost cost us was in the championship round, we ended up choosing to start Tony Pollard over Ramondre Stevenson. So the whole day on Sunday and even Monday, we were just sitting there like kicking ourselves because we were like, Oh my God, this might cost us half a million dollars. So the, so the biggest decision we made actually probably was the wrong one, but we ended up 
thanks to <laughs> Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase being able to overcome it. So you 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 made these decisions. Um, if Balky says you think long, you think wrong. Did you make them quickly? Um, I would say early on we did because after the regular season we were. I think we were in like 1500th place. And then the first week of the playoffs, we only put up 120 points, which dropped us to, I don't know, uh-huh. somewhere in the 2000s. So we, we kind of thought we were done. And then, <laughs> and then, so we didn't put much thought of it. And then we had an eruption. And then last week we really started to think about it and still chose wrong, but luckily it didn't actually end up mattering. So week 17 is a magical week. The last year, the last week of fantasy football, I am glued to our leaderboard uh, in, in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, and the the, the numbers are very similar to what I'm, I'm sure was happening over in the FFPC. Everything was so close. Guys were jockeying back and forth and in positions, and, and so many different guys were in our top five, and the, and the number one spot changed multiple times, and as we got ready for Monday night football and, and, and that had an, an impact, um, especially with Deontay Johnson's play. If he had caught just a couple more passes, we would have had a different result over here. How did you guys spend that week 17 together? Did you, did you, did you, were you cool? Were you chill? Like you sound tonight? Were you absolutely going nuts? And when you realized that you had won, what particularly did it mean to you? Who were some of the people that you told first? Um, well, with week 17 when it started, we weren't even together because, like I was saying, we were in, we started week 17th in 61st position, I believe. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're texting the whole time, and then we're watching Jamar Chase pop off, and we're exchanging a lot of, like, let's F and go text messages basically every three minutes for it. And so it didn't really set in. And then we had the, we only had four people at one, and it was Burrow, Chase, Waddle, who was kind of a dud, and our boy Mark Andrews. After the 4 p.m., we had a bunch going, and I didn't think we had a really good session, so I kind of stopped checking it. I'm pretty uh, superstitious about staring at it while it's going on. So I kind of thought we were dead, and then at, like, 7.30, Donnie shoots me text. He's like, hey, bro, you know, we're we're in 13th place. So we're like, okay, well – then we started actually looking at it, and we realized that a bunch of the teams ahead of us were dead, and of, like, the 100, top 100 spots, we were the only team that still had both Najee and Adams left. So we ended up thinking that, uh, you know, wow, we might actually have a chance to ship it. And then after Adams' performance going into Monday night, we, we thought we probably had a 40 to 50% chance of winning. So then Donnie ended up coming over for it, and we were watching together, uh, at my house with my girlfriend and stuff. I had a paramedic on standby for Donnie because he wasn't exactly <laughs> handling, handling the heat very well. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I mean, the first thing I did was I called my parents afterwards, and I don't even think I could speak. I was just kind of laughing the entire time because I couldn't believe what had just happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I'll also <laughs> add on to that and say that uh, – that I think that last touchdown by um, by Najee Harris, we were we were up like three or four at that point, so we were still sweating it a little bit. But uh, I don't think I watched him cross the end zone. Once he got past that last defender, he started running through <laughs> oh, his basement, screaming. Cool. I'm pretty sure it fell to the ground. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, really cool. So cool. Uh, the that was started really flowing then. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and did you did you stay awake until sunup on Tuesday morning? Were you still awake when the sun came up? Not quite. The no, sun no, we. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone to bed until Thursday. That's all. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that. Can, well, that I, yeah. I can. I can, for myself, partly blame that on the the drinks that were consumed after we ended up winning. <laughs> well, yeah, you you've got you've got to mix some bourbon with a sugar base, and then you've got to work in some <laughs> rum somehow. <laughs> it, 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 but, but, hey, next time's next. I'll give you a whole thing, and but but I digress. Balky, what do we got? Uh, well, I just want to remind everybody too on um, the final lineup that uh, that Donnie and and Brady had. It was Joe Burrow at quarterback, uh, Najee, uh, Najee Harris, uh, Tony Pollard at the running back position, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell at wide receiver, Mark Andrews, Matt Prater, and New Orleans uh, defense rounded it up. That was good for a 238.8 in week 17. Mm. And we do want to shift over to a couple of emails here, guys. And actually, it's, it's going to be one email, but two questions here. And it's from um, uh, uh, some people that you guys know pretty well. It's from Tyler House and the rest of the boys from the Hale to Pitley. So a couple of questions here. Now, now I, I assume that this was an, an aggregate. All the guys got together and decided they each wanted to ask you a question. So I'm going to throw it to them. The first one is for Brady. Um, uh, Brady, uh, Tyler says he's heard you started watching Olympic trampoline events. How did you get into that sport? <laughs> um. You know, um, I'm not quite sure what Tyler's referring to, but I will say I am a fan of the Olympics, so I guess I've watched some of the trials. But uh, as far as a trampoline event, I'm not quite sure what he was talking about. <laughs> I am, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. So uh, so the other one that, that Tyler and, and the Hail the Pit League have us here, uh, it, uh, Donnie, it's for you. Uh, he writes, um, word on the street is you are the fashion guru of your friend group. Tell us a little about the PP shirt. <laughs> I'm not, not answering that. No comment. <laughs> they are, they are it's, it's, uh, dodging uh, questions. I can, I can answer that for Donnie. It is the shirt he no, wears no, 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 to no. to try to pick up single ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I still have my – I've been married for – uh, almost 10 years now. I still got my shirt that, that I have for that. We all had it. Um, okay. Uh, I do want, and, and I'm going to, uh, let's throw this, uh, Brady, I'm going to throw this one to you here. Um, this is one more. I, I lied. I'm going to add one more email here. It's from Jared in Denver. And um, I think this is a good question for you guys. Uh, so Brady, I'll let you take it. Donnie, actually feel free to chime in on this as well. But he said, not, how, not sure how much you guys have looked towards next year, but where do you think J.K. Dobbins gets drafted in the Football Guys Players Championship? That's Jared in Denver. Thanks for the email, man. Brady, what do you think about Dobbins next year? Well, that's a good question. I, I mean, I was insanely high on him. I mean, the only problem with the Baltimore offense is they like to split the rock, but who knows if Edwards is going to be healthy. I mean, they're not going to bring back, I wouldn't think, any of the corpse of Devontae Freeman or Latavius Murray. So I, I would say if – Training camp reports are all good on Dobbins, but he's probably a top 15, 20 running back with high upside, I would say. Donnie, I'm not sure if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I think I would. I think in, in one of the, the big concerns about Dobbins before he got hurt this year was that um, 
he was he's kind of in a run first offense. Um, they, the Ravens threw the ball at the the least percentage of any team in the league. Well, that kind of changed. Um, I think Lamar proved that. Uh, granted, he got he's been hurt and um, hasn't been playing as well in the second half, but um, they've been throwing the ball a lot more this year, and I think they're going to carry some of that into next year. Um, and and I, I knew that during training camp, they were looking to get him the ball and, and throw him the ball out of the backfield. And honestly, I think he would have had a big year this year if he didn't get hurt. So uh, I, I think he'll probably end up going in the third round next year, but uh, I would definitely be targeting him. He's still young and um, one of the more talented running backs in the league. The world-famous FFPC playoff challenge guys might come down to delivering a big payday to the owners that employ the right running back uh, for the, the remainder of this year through the playoffs. Balky and I discussed a lot of these players. Sometimes, you know, it looks like no-brainers. And then you find out, well, I sure didn't put that team together right. And sometimes maybe you know who's going to do well, but it's even more important to know who isn't and who might have a quick exit. So I've got, a, I've got some questions to ask you about this. And since you guys obviously have a crystal ball, Balky read your lineup. You obviously had a crystal ball <laughs> back in August and September or some type of wizardry going on to put that lineup together. Although that Adrian Peterson free agent thing, that was pretty funny. But, you know, the, so, <laughs> so let me ask you this important as to who's going to be good. I think a lot of guys are going to be great in the playoffs. So who's that going to be? But more importantly, who looks good on paper, but in reality you wouldn't trust moving forward? Donnie, you want to take that one first? Yeah. I'll go ahead. These are hard questions, Balky, and so they're they're switching them back and forth. See, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I (laughs) – they're not no, make falling sure, make the sure ball here, I got them. I got them. Make sure, make sure to write these two down. Um, so I think that I, – I don't know if you guys have uh, paid close attention to the Rams games recently, but I don't think Matt, Matthew Stafford has looked very good. Um, and I, I, Honestly, I think they, they might be in danger of uh, losing in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so with that said, I honestly, I might fade – and especially in a big tournament like, like this one, um, I might be fading Cooper Cup um, and just hoping that either Matthew Stafford doesn't look the part and their defense carries them or uh, they, they get bounced in the first round and uh, you gain a whole bunch of leverage off of the, everyone that took Cooper Cup. Uh, as far as sleepers, and I'm actually going to contradict myself a little bit here, but uh, if you look at the past two years, uh, who, who are the kind of the league winners in formats like these? You're, you're always looking at those running backs that kind of pop up out of nowhere, the second-string guys that become in timeshares or first-string guys. So if you look at 2019, you have Damian Williams um, during, during the Chiefs run, and, and last year you have Leonard Fournette who came out of nowhere. Uh, I, I think that this, it's kind of a long shot, but uh, couldn't Cam Akers do that this year? Uh, he's, he's been practicing for the past couple of weeks. Uh, we know Sony Michelle's looked okay, but um, – He's he's not Cam Akers, so um, I, I like it, it's probably not uh, likely. But in the event that that, that does happen and uh, the the Rams make a run, it, it it might be because Cam Akers has returned back to form, and you're the you're one of uh, one of the few teams that have him. And and for mine, I'll say you know a big thing of winning these types of pools where 
you know, the top team that needs to be unique and, uh, you know, score the most points, obviously. My sleeper, I would say, if the 49ers get in, is I think everybody will be taking either Debo or Kittle from the Niners. So I think a good leverage spot would be to fade those two and then drafting Elijah Mitchell because I think, yeah. as we've seen with Shanahan, when he's healthy, I mean, Shanahan loves him. He, he, nobody else touches the field. Trey Sermon's irrelevant. Jeff Wilson's irrelevant when he's on the field. So I think that's a very, very good leverage spot to fade Debo and Kittle, Kittle and end up taking Elijah Mitchell. And a team I'm fading in general, um, back to our boy Tyler House that sent that email, is the Tennessee Titans, I think, are oh, yeah. arguably the most fraudulent one seed. Not arguably. Yep. They are the most fraudulent one seed of all time. I think the most fraudulent team left in the, that's going to be in the postseason. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not going to touch A.J. Brown or Derrick Henry because I think they get bounced instantly. I know a lot of people think Henry is going to be, you know, King Henry, which I also, you know, full disclosure, I did think he was going to be bad this year, and I was clearly wrong on that. But I think you, know, you, don't, you don't know what he's going to get coming back from injury, and they're going to lose the first game. So I would be fading the Tennessee Titans in general. Uh, guys, I, I want to go out to the phone lines here and, and, and take a quick call from a listener calling from the 223. 223, go ahead. You're on the HSFF Hour. Hey, this is uh, Buddy Greg here. Just got two quick questions for Brady David. Go for it, man. Hey, Greg. So the first question is, uh, who won our Dynasty League this year in Justin Boland's league? <laughs> uh, somebody by the name Greg the Leg, I believe, took that home. Not, not really sure if it's the same Greg as you. Sorry for putting you on the spot here. Second question. Uh, in our Pick'em League, who's been in first place in week two? <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I also think that might be somebody by the title Greg the Leg, although I hear this guy Lee Greeley is pretty sharp, and he's been right on your tail all year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I have. Hey, I like guys. this guy. I like this guy on the phone. Buy him a new shirt and bring him to Kentucky with now, you. He's all right. Now, hang, he's, he's, uh, the, the, hang the on. Funny, the, funny thing about the, the funny thing about the guy on the phone is he actually FaceTimed us for the entire game on Monday night, and he was, he was uh, in it with us. Cool. So he's the, he's cool. the, you know, that's why we'll let these two questions, these clearly loaded questions slide, but he's, he was as good of a hype man as you could have ever asked for. Yeah, I've been well, somewhat uh, of a uh, good luck charm for Brady when it comes to these kind of things. <laughs> well, see, yeah. no, here's, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's, the, here's the thing, Greg. Uh, uh, Dizzle in the chat room said right now, like, are, are you gonna, are you gonna, is it gonna be your turn for the 500 grand next year and keep this in the league, right? And you could get maybe a 10 pack of uh, of football guys teams next year and, and go for the 500 thousand dollars yourself. And then Brady and Donnie could be calling in next year when you're having your championship interview, and uh, and then they can have the loaded questions for you. I think this is setting up nicely, Greg, for you in 2022. <laughs> God willing. I'll, 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 have, I'll have a full year to prepare questions for him. <laughs> Greg, thanks for the phone call, man. Yeah, you know. Thank thanks, you, Greg. Greg the leg. I love it. All right, guys, listen, uh, we just kind of teased a little bit. $500,000. Congratulations. It's a ton of cash. Brady, have you already thought about what you plan on doing for your cut of the loot? And then, and then Donnie, what's going to be your approach when you get that cash hitting your bank account? 
I'm sorry, I broke up there. What, what did you say? Oh, that's no, no, Brady. I just want to know what you what you plan on doing um, with with your cut of the uh, of the five hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I mean, to be honest, it, it it hasn't really felt real to this phone call, so I haven't really thought about it much. I mean, as we touched on earlier, I do have a girlfriend. As you see in the picture, I do have a little puppy. Uh, actually, depressingly, the first thing I actually spent the money on was six hours after we went to bed. I had to go get her spayed. But I would say probably, you know, with the house together and the, and the dog together, there's probably only one step that needs a little fun for us. Some of it's probably going to go to that. Um, a very large chunk will go to Uncle Sam. And then I, wa- I know I want to do something uh, for my parents of asking something that they can let me buy for them because, you know, they've, they've been so helpful and meant the world to me growing up. And, you know, they, de- they deserve something for themselves. So I've, I've given them the task of coming up with an idea. We'll see what it ends up being. Um, but I'm not going to take no for an answer on that. Good for you. Good for you. Donnie, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll probably have a little bit more fun answer than, than Brady as the single guy. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I know, so I, I, I haven't really thought about it too, too much. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Brady. It's, it's, it's a life-changing amount of money. It's, it's too much money, to be honest. Um, I know that um, I'm probably in the same boat, want to get um, some my parents something nice. Um, I, I know me and my dad are big golfers, um, so he's, prob- he's probably at home listening. Uh, we might make a, a bucket list trip to Scotland or something like that once the world oh, opens yeah. back up. Um, we'll see about that. Uh, also, I know there's there's been a little bit of chatter about uh, entering a, a main event or two next year, uh, maybe a, a live draft in Vegas. So, so you know, yeah. we'll see about that. Yeah, it, well, it'd be great to hang out with you guys in person in Vegas if you, if you come out to Planet Hollywood to draft those main event teams. That'd be great. Also, uh, Dizzle, uh, Dave Gerzak, one of the FFCC co-founders, hanging out in the chat room tonight. Uh, the only question he wants to know uh, for, for you guys, uh, Donnie and, and Brady, uh, you did it with one team this year. You think you might go with maybe a three-pack in 2022 and, and maybe take a couple more teams? That's, That's, That's a good deal. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say we will we will probably split one team together, maybe a main event, just because we have to try to run it back at defender title. But I would say, at least for me, I'll probably have several of my own, and I'm not sure about Donnie, but uh, yeah, definitely there will be more than one one team in the pot next year. Yeah, so probably I. Uh... So this year, I actually we had our one uh, football guys team, and I, I had a couple thirty-five dollar satellite leagues uh, that I got second place in this year. So I, I might have to abandon those thirty-five dollar credits that showed up today in favor of a, another uh, football guys team or two. <laughs> uh, tremendous, tremendous accomplishment for you guys! Congratulations on the five hundred thousand uh, dollars. We all follow you on Twitter. Donnie is at the Andrew sixty-six. Brady is at B David sixteen. The 2021 Football Guys Players Championship $500,000 grand prize winners, Donnie Andrews, Brady David, thank you so much for carving out a little time on your Friday night to talk fantasy football. Good luck in the playoff challenge, and good luck next year, guys. This was this is so much fun. Awesome. Yeah, Great, thank yeah. you guys so much for having us. This is, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is great. Thanks, guys. All right, you guys be good. We will talk to you again real soon, hopefully in Vegas. We'll see. Um, Farrell, I don't think we're going to have a whole lot um, 
um, of time to, to, to get to the playoff challenge strategy. We're going to dedicate more uh, of next week's show, and, and we have a great guest for that, actually, um, that I'm going to talk about in a second. So the last thing I want to leave the listeners with fantasy football-wise tonight is something I was thinking about when they were talking about their first overall pick, Devontae Adams, in the draft. You know, oftentimes my approach has been to get the hero running back, the anchor running back in the first round, and then build up my wide receivers, right? And, and I think there might be something to, to be said for, for grabbing maybe the hero um, receiver and then at, you know, peppering in running backs there, too. I mean, you're not ignoring the receiver position, but especially in the FFPC, why not go with that receiver, that target hog in the first round? And then maybe go running back or tight end or maybe a couple of running backs. And then, you know, just kind of work your way and suss out the receivers. There might be something. We always talk about hero RB. Maybe hero WR is a thing. And maybe I'm just not well-versed in it enough yet. Maybe this is already a thing all over fantasy Twitter. I don't know. But I think that's something to think about because these guys did it for $500,000. You know, I think you're ensuring your situation against uh, – and going against the tide, especially when everyone is putting those running back stickers on the board. And to get a receiver uh, like this, like Adams in this year and what he had going on with Rodgers, it's just fantastic. You know, there was the potential that uh, Stephon Diggs could have picked up his game and had a similar year to Adams, but it did not happen with what what went on at Buffalo. So, yeah, this can can be a great situation. He still has to stay healthy, and you could argue that a receiver has a better chance of staying healthy – than a running back that's taking that pounding. You're also in a situation where you are invested in the health of that quarterback. Uh, without a healthy Rodgers, uh, we don't have this kind of season for Adam. So, you know, it, it's a lot of things that uh, that uh, make up a championship. These guys said we had good health. Our lineup sort of set itself. They didn't have to do things in free agency because they had just enough at the number two running back position to make it work in Pollard. Pollard was consistent. He never had a big breakout game. There's just so many things that went right for them. They talked about how Andrews went right for him. And, you know, I think they're probably pushing it to think that Andrews would be the number one tight end. They they tipped us off to the fact that things happened in Baltimore to allow Andrews to be the player uh, that he was. And, you know, Andrews stayed healthy and did not have issues related to his uh, continuous uh, uh, medical issue with, uh, I believe, it's diabetes. So it, everything went right for them, uh, but they worked at it, and they made their own luck with Mark Ingram. They went and got Mark Ingram before the trade deadline. Things happened for them positively. Good for them. You can tell they're good guys. they got good friends. they got good family. I was a little worried there when he was talking about the girlfriend and the dog, but it all worked out in the end. So, you know, everything <laughs> everything's cool with these guys. They're going to have a big year, and and you know, tell the Dizzle I'm going to talk them into the FF or the Football Guys uh, three pack because everybody needs two or three three packs. Yeah, I I totally agree. Never get two, never get five, never get eight. Mm. You always got to go in in increment to three. Um, Farrell, mm. so good to uh, to do this interview with you tonight to talk to these five hundred thousand dollar champions and pick their brains. Um, KFFSC.com is where you want to go for 2022. Get loaded up on those teams um, uh, this year. going to be another fun season. Uh, Drafting is just right around the corner. I certainly appreciate you coming on. A belated Happy New Year to you. And uh, next Friday, man, we'll delve uh, deep into the FFPC Playoff Challenge strategy talk. 
We'll see you then, and we need to get that man in here to tell us how to win, Balky, because I need some help. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Be good, Farrell. Talk to you again next Friday. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Follow him on Twitter at Elliott. KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC, and, of course, KFFSC.com. This completes tonight's broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Donnie Andrews, Brady David, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you for hanging out and listening. I uh, want to remind you, if you're looking for more fantasy goodness, listen to the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with Scott Kobe at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, he is the uh, runner-up in the Super Bracket uh, Championship this year, also won a main event league title, um, and has had a pretty successful uh, high-stakes fantasy football career over the last couple of years as well. Always fun to talk to Scott. Want to wish a happy birthday to former FFPC Dynasty champion Rob Levin. Of course, Rob has been a guest on this show before. He is celebrating birthday today. We celebrate with you, Rob. And next Friday is our big FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge preview. And who better to help us out by being our guest is the 2021-2020, beg your pardon, the 2020-2021 World Famous Challenge $500,000 winner, Jeff Oliva. He will be our guest. Tell us about how he put together the winning lineup last year, how he blew all the money and is ready to go back-to-back this year. That is next week. Remember to register for those playoff challenges at myffpc.com. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. So I, I did tease a few things at the top of the show that we just we simply ran out of time because the interview was so much fun with with Donnie and Brady and, and then, of course, Greg the Leg uh, popping in as well. So next week, um, it's going to be full coverage on what you need to do for playoff challenge teams. If you're just submitting one team, if you're submitting multiple teams, um, we'll talk about the Packers, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Or do you want to throw caution to win? Go with Tyreek Hill, who's really dropped off over the last couple of weeks. And then as far as the Bills go, I think a popular choice will be Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, tight end premium scoring. How crazy do you want to get with Dawson Knox? In my opinion, not that crazy, but we'll get Farrell's thoughts. We'll get Jeff's thoughts. That's all coming up next week, and we'll delve. We'll know the whole field by then, too. So we'll have plenty to talk about. World-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge, $500,000 to enter. Uh, to enter. To, <laughs> the grand prize, just $200 to enter, and you can do that at myffpc.com. Go ahead and make sure that you're loading up those teams right now, and uh, you can set those lineups later when the teams are known. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Week 18, everybody.